Hey everybody, it's Ray Hughes, lead pastor at The Foundry, and this past Sunday we wrapped up our vision series, Remember, looking at what God has called us to be as a church as we build a community on faith, love, and hope. And uh, this week to wrap up, I want to sit down with Pastor Luis Plomo, our Jones Road campus pastor, as well as special guest Jeremiah Law, one of our youth pastors here. We're going to have a conversation about what we see, sense God doing, not only at Foundry, but with uh, the larger kind of Christian movement and some of the things that you may have heard about at Asbury University, a, a remarkable outpouring of the Spirit and a renewal movement that started there, and we're praying will take root in the church across the country and across the world, and we're already seeing some just amazing things uh, going on there. And Jeremiah actually had a chance to visit Asbury last week, and he's going to share a little bit with us. So uh, just a reminder, be sure to click follow or subscribe here on the podcast so that you get the newest content each week when it's delivered. Also, be sure to share this content with others who you think might find it helpful. Okay, so without any further ado, let's jump right into this week's conversation. Well, hey guys. What's up, Ray? What's up? Jeremiah, good to be here. Glad to have you guys with us today. Um, last week, I, in, I talked a little bit with Andy about renewal and some of the dimensions, because renewal is really multidimensional. It's not just a personal uh, renewal, but in true Wesleyan heritage, it spills out into the broader mm. culture and society and impacts things. So um, I'm, I referenced the book, Marks of a Movement, last week, and how Winfield Bevins talks about movement as multidimensional, but he defines it this way. A movement is a group of people. They're organized. It's like an organized network. So it's not bureaucratic, but they have this, this, they have shared definition of reality, a shared message and shared object, objectives. And so when the spirit does something in a group of people, it has power uh, because it is organized, but it's organized around the spirit of God and what God is doing. It's not a formal bureaucracy that's trying to leverage uh, power to coerce or manipulate. Uh, it's not chaotic, though. It's focused and it's aligned. And so I wonder, Luis, like through this series, as I thought about that, we want to be a movement, a movemental people as we've moved out of a denomination that sometimes, you know, I think the intent was always there that it be a movement, but we get bogged yeah. down in bureaucracy and now we're, we're kind of free of that. Uh, but it's a freedom that actually, as JD said at state of the church, we're a more dependent church now than we've ever been. We're dependent on the Holy spirit to lead us. And so, uh, if, if we're going to, follow and be a movement directed by the Spirit. Um, we need to be listening closely to what God is doing and paying attention around us to how we see uh, these, these um, a movement, you know, uh, not, not just the Spirit speaking to one person, but how He's guiding a group, a network, and, and a people in the same direction. So I wonder if you could just start talking about how you've since that happening at Foundry, like the places that we continue to see God working and moving. Yeah, I think 
it's so easy to talk about programs. I think as we think about we're launching this, we launch that, and I get the sentiment behind that. But the reality is a lot of these these things that we're doing is in response to needs that we're seeing more than just trying to get people to <clears throat> to participate in things as we believe in making disciples and that requires some investment on our behalf. It's going to require effort and intentionality and more than beyond the Sunday morning gathering. So I think in the last few years, being able to see different pockets begin to form where there's different needs and underlying that a sense of we want more of God. We want more of God in our lives. We want more of God in our families. Uh, people crying out and saying we need help with X, Y, Z, whether it's with our children or with our older parents or with my spouse. I'm also seeing a, I think John Oswald, the term he used, he wrote down years ago that I love, transparent vulnerability. Mm. And I'm beginning to see that more and more in people about their lives. And not in fear of any kind of shame or guilt or condemnation, but just simply it's this is what is in front of me, and I want God to show up. And it usually starts with a personal one-on-one -on -one conversation. And I've noticed the people that are willing to take that faith of that step of faith into community and carry that transparent vulnerability to a level of authenticity with others is where really life change begins to occur in their lives. And there's small and subtle shifts, but suddenly their way of thinking changes. So I think as a staff, we then begin to say, okay, what, what do we need to create in order to invite others into this journey? So for instance, um, when there was a transition in leadership for women in our women's ministry. And I like to think of it as ministry to women because I think when you start talking about all these different ministries, they can become very siloed. But to think about, okay, what kind of ministry do the women in our church need? And really began a, a discernment process with Stacy and asking her to think about which women could you bring together around a table, around prayer, to think about the different needs. And this was, um, I think, over a year process. And through that, a lot of things began to emerge, everything from social gatherings to very directed studies, a retreat of certain kind, but what I've started noticing in these pockets were a desire for connection. There's a deep desire and connection with a real authentic move of God, but then there's also a desire to be with other people. And how can I be with people with a common focus that's not just simply doing something to do something because that's what we always do. Mm -hmm. And I also am encouraged when I see things in a church that's been around a while like Foundry when people are willing to sunset some things because they're willing to they're willing to say no to something for something greater. 
and, and willing to try something. For me, that's a, that's a move of, of the Spirit as well. I've also, in these pockets, begin to sense people struggling with things. And when people, whether it's sin or personal issues, whatever it may be, for me, the fact that they're talking about it and they're struggling with it is a good thing. Mm-hmm. For me, that is a, a move of the Spirit in their lives because we're not up there beating people over the head with it or trying to tell them to stay away from X, Y, Z. And we're finding this now among men. Um, I've had now a handful of men separately after messages on Sunday come to me and, and tell me, you know what, I've been struggling with, for instance, pornography. This is something that has held me captive for so long and I want to be free of it. Other guys, like, man, that passage you used is something that started my road to freedom. Things that I, we weren't even talking about these mm-hmm. issues. For me, that is a sense of God moving in our midst. And, and then I had another guy who says, hey, I'd love to start a group for men who are recovering. Do you see any need for that? He has no idea of the other conversations mm-hmm. I've had. But I love that all this is starting to come together. So I started a similar process um, this year and I, with Andy as well at Fry Road, beginning to gather men to think about and begin to pray about what does ministry to men here at this church look like. Because I am deeply convinced that if the men of Foundry rise up together in desperation, in a devotion to God, that we will see something move here in this church. Yes, young people too, but when the men in our society, in our homes, in our churches step up, it it invites a move of the Spirit um, like we've never seen before. And I'm sensing that. We got dudes from all walks of life, people who don't know what a small group is, guys who don't know how to read the Bible. Dudes have been doing this for, for 30, 40 years, and all sorts of generations, walks of life. Um, we're getting to see races and languages even beginning to merge and say, God, you're doing something in our midst. So part of the prayer here is that we need to be dependent on God. God, show us what does it look like, not to try to replicate something I've done in the past that worked really well or copy some other church, but what does a response look like here in our, my case, Jersey Village mm-hmm. for so us to walk into? So you're talking about like because I when I throw the word community out, like a lot of people in I've learned over the years, that's not always clear, like what that means. Yeah, because <laughs> some people think, oh, that's the neighborhood I live in, or mm-hmm. you know, that it's a geographical area or whatever. Um, when we talk about Christian community, you're talking about a a key component to how God works to transform our lives and transform the church and the world around us. What? Why? Do, what, what do you see? What are the? What? What? Why does community matter? Like, why? Why? Do, why can't I just go home and study the Bible and pray? And like, why is that not, not enough? or with my family, or why do I need other people? Why do I need live in those kinds of relationships? Because, yeah. I, I mean, I'm pretty busy. My calendar's full. I don't need another meeting. I don't need another, you know, like gathering with people. Like, we're forming Lent groups right now, right? Yeah. So you have people that are in, and if, you know, if somebody hasn't gotten in, they can sign up. They can definitely sign up at foundrychurch.org slash Lent groups. Unless you're, like, <laughs> listening to this in 2024. Well, we'll do it again, probably. Yeah, come on, <laughs> sign up. But um, 
why should someone, I mean, why would want someone want to invest the time? I, I think there is a level of ignorance, and I use that carefully, because ignorance can be overcome with just simple education, that we in our society really celebrate and worship our individualism. So the more independent I am, that means the stronger I am, and I equate that with some kind of success. And all of a sudden, I reach this level of achievement by myself. You know, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I didn't even have boots. I made my own boots, and then I pulled them up. You know, that kind of level is like where mm -hmm. we really celebrate that. And then it's me, myself, and I. And it's not a bad thing. And, you, and I think there's this predominant thinking of God helps those that help themselves. And by golly, I've helped me do all of this. So God's now must help me. And what I think what I'm realizing is when people hit a breaking point and realize I can't do this on my own anymore, and there's a pull into God and his spirit begins to move, inevitably, God pushes us toward people. And that's what Wesley believed. He believed in a holiness of life that really pushed you outward to others, uh, not just within the church, but even into the world. So I think for us, because we don't know this, it hasn't been modeled for us, mm -hmm. we think community is Bible study. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to gather in a group, and some dude or some girl is going to get up there, and she's going to just talk to me for an hour or so, and I'm going to take some good notes. And if I'm really an overachiever, it's color-coded, you know. And you might I, answer a question. Yes. Yeah. And it's always Jesus or the Holy Spirit, right, the yeah. answer? Right. Yeah. So, And that did community, and then I went home. Or I, I showed up, and I had some bad lemonade and graham crackers at church in a stale environment. Potato salad. Yeah, and then That's I'm like, good. Oh, I mean, you can't have potato salad or whatever you want. But it's, again, it's like, this is lame. But the reality is... When you're able to say, I need these group of people in my life, how do I get there? The one is show up. You know, a lot of it, I think, too, in our day and age is we celebrate the things that are really packaged really nicely and comfortable. And if it's already made, then I'll go there. But very few of us are willing to put in the time and the effort to actually build something, mm. something worthwhile. Even our own families, oh, it's not working out. Hence, divorce rates are, are through the air. I think some of us, if we could divorce our kids, we would, because we, we're like, I, I, don't, I don't want to invest the time and energy. But it's like, if you want something worthwhile, then it's going to require something of us to make it lasting. So for a Christian community, it's show up. Be committed to these people. Understanding why you're doing it. I think sometimes we lose our focus. It's not just a, a social gathering. It's not just for my sake, as Robert Mulholland, we used to say, is for the sake of others. We become Christ-like for the sake of, of others. So I gather with other people who want to be made more into the image of Christ. I want this to transpire in holiness of heart and life. So I'm going to do this with other people. And that means, again, I'm going to be honest about where I am. I think Wesley laid out a great path for us to say, what does it look like today, though, for me to, to have someone pray for me? I, I don't think we understand the reality of what it means to be prayed over. Mm. 
Like I have a group of guys right now that call me virtually every day to pray for me. And that has done a lot of stuff. And sometimes those phone calls end up me kneeling on my couch, in my bedroom, or in my study, and repenting of things. Is because there is a there is a purpose of why we're doing this. We want to seek God together, mm-hmm. and we want to eliminate those things in our lives that don't, where anything can be called out. When I'm in proximity to people, when I'm in close proximity, they can see things that you can't see driving through or on the stage or on a Sunday morning in the lobby. But they can't see that. But I can be at a restaurant, and they're like, you're really going to have another drink? Like, oh, not that drinking is bad in of itself, but they can see what what is happening. But these are people I can be honest with. I can come to them and say, hey, here's what's going on with my wife. And she has this, we need wisdom, and we need some some prayer for God, and God begins to move, and God shows up. Hey, we got this situation with my daughter or with my son, and we're like, hey, you know what? We're not going to move from this place. They can come to me and say, hey, here's what I'm dealing with. This is not Pastor Luis. This is just another human being, a brother to them, to say, you know what? Let's pick a day and a time where we're going to fast, and we're going to fast for this because we want God to show up. Suddenly, I think our perspective begins to shift about life, about our relationships, about the reason we're here on earth. And there is a vibrancy that comes with that. I think Christian community keeps us alive, pushes us outward, because now we're also thinking about those who are not a part of our community, who also need the love and the healing and the freedom that Jesus can offer. It's not exclusive. It's not like a little club. No, it's like, oh, man, I got it. The click. Sorry for everyone else. I wish they could have it. Right. Just post it on Instagram and show them. So so to boil it down, <laughs> what I hear you talking about is um, simple kind of life on life. and like, It's messy. Like real, like, yeah, like how do you define and like you don't plan a friendship, right? It just, you do life together. You have common interest maybe. And a friendship develops over time. It blossoms. But you have to show up. You have to spend time together. And I think, like, it segues well into what's happened at Asbury. I want to turn turn to Jeremiah for a second. And yeah. you were, you were um, first of all, he was like, you had him, like, every, you were on every word Luis was saying. He's over here quietly, like, just absorbing. It's fire. <laughs> He's going <laughs> to. <laughs> um, I was also thinking Jeremiah works with uh, Gen Z, which is like Luis and I, that's our kids' age. And, you know, it's always the scariest thing to ask. Like, so, like, what are our kids, what are our kids' generation seeing that's wrong in their parents' faith and walk and generation? Because I think that's pretty prophetic voice Mm -hmm. in some ways. Of course, every generation has to overcome their own challenges, but... You know, what, what is the younger generation see lacking in the church mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, just broad, more broadly, like how we've approached faith and. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I got to, to be at Asbury last week, um, for kind of, you know, revival, outpouring, awakening, whatever you want to call and, it. And that's um, like, 
People can Google that and yeah. find a lot how, of information. How long were you there, Jeremiah? <laughs> I was there for 24 hours. Um, so I got to experience kind of a whole day. Um, but I, I think what's the the word, and we talked about it this morning, but the word that that has just stuck with me this whole time from what Gen Z and young people are just um, are, are searching for is this desperation. I think desperation just keeps coming up. Yes. And not not a desperation of like... Despair. Oh, I, yeah. Or, or like, oh, I didn't plan enough. I need a miracle. Like, it's a desperation because they really want something that um, the world is not giving them or uh, maybe their their past generations have not given them. And it's this desperation. Uh, I think the, the beautiful thing is, like, it's one thing to be desperate but be outside of the room because you're always just longing for something that you, you think you're not going to get. But when you're desperate and then you realize, oh, I'm in the room where I can actually receive what I've been longing for, I think that frees people up so much, um, and it free, like when I saw these college kids worshiping, they were so they were so desperate for God. And yeah, then, so back up, tell uh, the story like the the short version of what yeah. What, so even, like how did this happen? Like what? So so um, and how is it happening? It's still going yeah, on, right? So on a yeah. Wednesday, on a Wednesday, for those who don't know, on a Wednesday, uh, Asbury University we have chapel Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and on a normal yep. Wednesday, <laughs> um. And it was I like used to pay somebody to sit in yeah, my seat. Yeah, I would this like <laughs> so I wouldn't be it was like seat. half attended. It was not attended well. Even the the speaker said it was like he he said it was a dud. He said he got off the stage, texted his wife, and said I preached another dud today. Um, but all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, these these college kids just started praying. Um, just started praying, confessing like twenty of them. And within an hour, within two hours, people started returning. People started noticing this even my brother was in was in practice he plays basketball and someone ran in and said hey everyone needs to go to the chapel right now um and it just turned into this this desperation for god this crying out to god this confessing to god uh sharing of testimonies and and kind of just being honest with each other of like we really want god and this is what we've been missing for our whole entire life kids that have been raised in the church kids who have never believed in god all these people coming together and then it blew up and we're what Two and a half weeks later, the whole almost the whole world knows about this. So like twenty four seven, twenty four seven, just worshiping in this chapel in this room. Um, they're just com- they're confessing, they're confessing. Repenting, there's yeah. healings happening, yeah, and it's just pure presence of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, testimonies, just people, yeah. yeah, restoration, chains being broken, all of these things, uh, and it, it just kept going and going and going, and it's two hundred plus hours in now. Uh, Probably even more that. My math is probably not correct. <laughs> um, and this whole time, even when I walked in, I had no idea what to expect. <clears throat> like, what what can you really expect when you walk into a room that the spirit is pouring itself out? Like, I was expecting like fire and thunder and yeah. like crazy things. It was just simple. It was it was worship. It was praise. Um, it was joy, and there was there was no structure to it. And and even the people that were leading, it's like, we want what the spirit is doing and we don't want to get in the way of that. Um, and I, th- so let me ask you a question yeah. and, and I, let me just be very clear too. Mm-hmm. This is, I'm inviting you to kind of speak to what's I think next. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to be clear that I'm, this is not a critique Yeah, because there've been very, there've been far too many people that have been using this opportunity to critique. Yeah. My, one of my favorite tweets I saw was, this guy, like he said, we say to God, we want revival. Yeah. And then God says, here it is. And then he says, and now here's my list of critiques yep. of the revival. that yeah. you brought. Like, like it just boggles my mind, but yeah. I guess you get more clicks that way. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so not a critique, not, not, not critical at all, but like, like I thought about this this week, we, we talked about how Sunday mm-hmm. for us, but like the last 10, 15 days, whatever it's been, mm-hmm. that, that there's been ongoing worship mm-hmm. and prayer. And we talked about that being practice, mm. like the game is when you leave. Right. Right. And so why, what, what is the hope that an extended time of worship, Mm -hmm. if you want to boil, you know, if you want to, I think that's cheap to say that, but Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like why, why does this make a difference long term? Mm. Like, is it just a mountaintop experience Mm -hmm. or a spiritual high or good feeling or emotional like how does it not just like why are you hopeful yeah that it's more than that yeah i guess is what i'm asking yeah well i think that even even in those mountaintop moments you know when you know when you go to like a camp or something like you can still be spiritually asleep in those things i think what we witnessed in the last 2 weeks is this when we talk about awakening this literally this literally was awakening because it wasn't just um Oh, look at me! Like I shared my testimony to all these things, but it's, it's. Everyone did not care about themselves when they were sharing. Every, no one wanted attention when they were leading worship. It just kept being pointed back to Jesus and pointed back to Jesus and pointing back to Jesus. And I think that's the difference because when you're truly awakened to something, all you can do is focus on that thing, and you're not distracted by all of the other things um, that are going on. And I think really in in these last two weeks, these young people are awakened to this is this is really what God is, and this is what I want going forward. It's not oh, I'm just gonna come and see and take a picture and leave, but it's I'm gonna like I'm gonna come and see, and but then I'm gonna stay because this is this is what I've been looking for. So how do you think that marks them going forward? Like I guess that's mm-hmm. what like. This is yeah. obviously going to be a life-changing faith, yeah. shaping yeah. time. Right. What's different? Um, I read this post uh, by uh, one of my friends, Mark Swayze. Mm-hmm. And I think that this generation leaving, he was talking about how, I think over 120 worship leaders were there that led constantly 24-7. And he said not a single one of them or no one will ever know their names. And I think this is the shift that this generation is, they're okay with being nameless and faceless because the only name that they want everyone to, to be pointed to is Jesus. And I think that's the biggest difference. I think we've gone into this time of the church where there's a lot of you know pastors or, or churches who want to build up their name and build up trust in, in a single person and this generation now is like, no, we want trust in Jesus and we want yeah. to point everyone to trust um, in what Jesus is doing. And I think that's what's going to mark this generation going forward um, is that they're going to rebel against this celebrity culture and they're really just going to be, it's going to be a movement that's, when we talk about we want Jesus to move, it's literally going to be a movement of just Jesus and not not any name or face. You know, you're not going to look in 20 years and look at all of these you know, new churches or, or pastors coming up, but really of what Jesus is doing um, through just this movement of young people. Yeah, because I think the reason I asked that question mm-hmm. is because in the, Asbury has a history of uh, there have been other revivals, yeah. 
And each time there have been leaders, right? Like, like leaders of a movement. Mm-hmm. It started a movement. Yeah. East Stanley Jones was at the first one. Yeah. Started a missionary movement across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Luis? Like, what's your hope? And and what what hope does it should it give us here? Like if people, I'm assuming, you know, a good portion well, hear, of our I listeners lot, are foundry people. I hear a lot about um, this generation of kids that are coming up and we almost talk down to them mm. um, and speak ill of them in many ways, you know, because their level of contribution and blah, 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 and they're spoiled brats. Well, that's part of it, our fault. But God's saying, I'm not finished. And, and I think, again, Having watched the Grammys mm. three days before this outpouring mm-hmm. occurred, if you have virtually a virtual, highly produced, staged equivalent of a satanic ritual mm-hmm. occurring. Yep. And in many ways, people are like, well, what bigger stage do you need than that? And they're putting their stamp on it. Mm-hmm. And then three days later, in a no-name town mm-hmm. in Kentucky mm-hmm. of humble beginnings, yep. a lowly place. Does it sound familiar? Mm. A little bit. Mm. Just a little bit. A light starts to shine. Yeah. A song starts to be sung. Yeah. Prayers start to, to rise up. And I'm thinking, you know, God humbles us again. And reminds us, I'm not done. If my people would would seek me, mm-hmm. so that this level of, of desperation, it's not a hopeless despair, mm-hmm. but it's it's a desperation of crying out to God. And what little bit I've heard from what's happening at Asbury, from friends and family who've been there, is there is an authentic cry of repentance. Mm-hmm that is happening in the lives of these young people and older people just coming out to God of of Mm -hmm. turning from our ways, a a confession that is happening from the depths of their being. And I think that that repentance is the threshold to the kingdom of God. And for us to take that seriously, I think that's a practice in our church in general that we've lost to, to capture that. And when I think of this desperation, it's it's not a entitlement crying out. Mm-hmm. It's truly, Lord, we need you, we want you. And then something in a an incredibly underproduced kind of way mm-hmm. begins to make waves now. Where and so how many schools now? It's in like many, probably twenty plus. How many countries? Universities. Yeah, like yeah, there, there is over. there is a move of God that mm-hmm. is a, that is occurring. Yeah. I heard something about Uganda There's and Brazil, Brazil and Australia. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I believe that it is premature for us to talk about the fruit that will come of this. Right. But there is no doubt that there's fruit already. Mm-hmm. And to say, Lord, you always tend to show up in ways that are unexpected, mm-hmm. and yet we expect you to show yeah. up, and yet he still surprises us. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the beauty of what is happening here. And when I think about desperation... Jeremiah, as you were saying this, is you went to Asbury College. Mm-hmm. Was it college? University. Then? You were university. university. I was yeah. there when I was it was college. 
so we weren't big time. You got the upgraded diploma. I know, dude. I got the little one. Um, <laughs> in Espanol. <laughs> no, I, I was in that auditorium, too. Mm-hmm. Hughes Auditorium. Which Uncomfortable has, seats. Yeah, it's an Terrible service. Name. No affiliation. No affiliation. Whatsoever. No relationship. No relationship. <laughs> no, but it's... I, I've never heard of anything like this. Mm-hmm. In the four years that I was there, never experienced anything like this. But I think there's, there's a level of devotion that happens in desperation. Mm-hmm. And it's more than just a sentimental mm-hmm. desire. So when I am desperate for something, I'm going to continue to do something right. for it. Mm-hmm. And these kids are showing up, they're praying, they're singing, they're worshiping, they're repenting, mm-hmm. they're praying for others. And now they're praying for people around the world. The requests mm-hmm. are being brought. There's something, but they were showing up. It happened in their normal routine. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we discount that. Yeah. That, oh, I'm going to read my Bible again. I'm going to pray. Well, I don't feel it and blah, blah, blah. But it's there in that daily mm-hmm. grind yeah. that God seemed to show up and something began to burst forth. Mm-hmm. For me, that gives me hope for sometimes when we're just going through the motions, it seems like spiritually that to your word that J.D. shared with us at State of the Church was practice. Mm-hmm. But it's it. It's there. Right. That if we consistently are present, that we're going to begin to see something show up. Mm-hmm. I remember I was in a part of a small group for a summer and I remember I went to this guy that was leading and I was like, dude, this is so stupid. Mm-hmm. Like I'm tired of it. Like we have binders, we have to fill out the blanks and blah, blah, blah. We're reading and the prayers are tried and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is so dumb. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I know it feels that way. Mm-hmm. He goes, but think of it as a, as a shovel. Mm-hmm. He goes, when you start, it, it's dumb and it's, and you hate it, but you're building something. You got to mm-hmm. keep digging. And every yeah. time you do it, you're going deeper and deeper. Yeah. And I think the practices that we are able to begin to instill in our lives, that devotion will allow the desperation to be expressed mm-hmm. yeah. in a different, in a new level of depth. Yeah. And I'm excited to see and to hear the things and the stories that will continue to ripple out of this. I know of a person that walked into Asbury and this person said, I just want to find a corner mm-hmm. and I need to pray. And the person went there with their agenda mm-hmm. and God just showed up and really wrecked their heart. They had to, they had to literally like die to themselves. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and there's the, they had a presence of just God's love envelop them it mm-hmm. was gentle it was sweet it was meaningful and then this person left and said okay i've been there long enough and looked at her watch and realized mm-hmm. she'd been there five hours wow. it's almost like time stood still yep. but i keep hearing this yeah. thread and propel this person to start serving food for the thousands and hundreds that were standing in line who did not want to leave, didn't want to go pee because they were afraid they were going to lose their place in line. <laughs> you know, yet people stay out there in the restroom during outpourings of the Holy Spirit. So <laughs> they were trying to figure out how to these meet these how do you felt get, needs. How do I get that? Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, what I what I'm getting at is it pushed them out mm-hmm. right. beyond themselves. Yep. And I think that's part of what's happening in this generation that I'm hopeful for that we begin to be not so self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. So thank you guys. Yeah. This is a good conversation. And um just to wrap up, let me let me just point out a couple of things that I, I kind of took from this. First of all, uh interesting tidbit is our sanctuary at Jones Road was designed after Hughes Chapel. So I've had multiple people that have seen pictures from Hughes Auditorium, should say, that have their fir- at first glance thought it was foundry. <laughs> I was like, "Let it be, let it yeah. be, Lord, yeah. <laughs> Amen." Yeah, this. Um, but I think so. I think I think we make two mistakes sometimes when things like this happen. Some people have wanted to go to Wilmore, mm-hmm. and a pilgrimage like that's not a bad thing. No, if you go good. with the right. You know, yeah. and I'm glad you got yeah. to go, um, and just that encounter. Um, but what's remarkable about what's happening, I think, is how it was not planned, it was not programmed, and so I just want I want us to all just um, consider what the Lord wants us to take from this. But I would encourage you to think. We're not we're not planning a revival because a revival is not what we pl- like. It's not a program. <laughs> it's not what we plan. Yeah. We're not having a worship night, you know, this week, hoping that it'll last for two weeks or whatever. <laughs> but David Thomas says we will not program ourselves to vitality. Mm. Yep. And so, before anybody sends me an email and says, "Can we have?" We're not going to do that. Um, but if we'll pay attention to the heart of what's happened and let it let it affect us. And so if you want revival and you're listening to this and start with you, mm-hmm. like, what are you desperate for? Mm-hmm. And let's, let's invite Jesus to be um, more and more of, of what we cry out for each day. I think that's where you started with, you know, show up in community. Be fully get, present. Be yeah. fully present with other people. Engage in the scriptures together. Confess your sins to one another. Do those hard things and, you know, I don't know if it'll lead. It probably won't lead mm-hmm. to the same thing, but I think that's the point is this thing that God is doing is supposed to inspire us to a deeper yeah. place. There, There is a stirring of God in our midst. Mm-hmm. I sense it. I'm convinced of it. And the more we yield to the Spirit the practices, the behaviors will come. Mm-hmm. But it's the same spirit yep. that will bring about his love and his power and the repentance. All that will come. But we need to be in places personally and collectively to hear from God. And, and it's simple. I think that's what people are crying out for. It's authentic. And it's, it's a little messy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Pastor Hughes. Pleasure. <laughs> Adios. <laughs>